You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 239th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 764th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of December 16th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, as with most uh, college basketball programs, it's a pretty light week in terms of actual games. Tonight, uh, Thursday night, might be one of the uh, least inspiring slates of college hoops overall. But uh, a couple big things jumped out to me this week from an IU perspective. Uh, the first is that IU is going to start a series with Kansas uh, beginning in uh, 2022. So they'll play at Fog Allen Fieldhouse on December 17th of next year. And then Kansas will return the trip to Simon Scott Assembly Hall on December 16th of 2023. Just a, an exciting addition to the schedule. I know Mike Woodson uh, had made some comments about not really being able to do a whole lot with the schedule he had this year based on what was already set up. Uh, but this is an exciting uh, series to see start back up. These two teams played in the regular season for four straight seasons from 1992 to 1995. Also played twice in the NCAA tournament in the early 90s, one of which I will not mention. And then uh, you had the overtime game in Hawaii back in 2016. So um, definitely some history between these, but it's you know really with one game since 1995 uh, being played. Exciting to see this get back uh, on the schedule and and even more exciting, quite honestly, for it to be played uh, as a home-and-home and, home and uh, chance for IU to go to Fog Allen, uh, maybe a trip that I may need to look into as well with that. Uh, but the other thing, and, and it ties in well with, uh, with our special guest tonight, is the formal establishment of the Hoosier Ticket Project, which uh, for those who have followed this, it started in 2019 during the NIT run with the Martha the Mop Lady Twitter account, and it has really blossomed from there, uh, basically an effort to get people into uh, IU sporting events who might otherwise not be able to go through the donation of, of tickets uh, from other IU fans and uh, just a great way to build up new generations of IU fans uh, and to help people out in the process. So we'll definitely learn more about that, but certainly a banner moment as you, you think about what that can mean for the fan base uh, and uh, just a great uh, just a great idea and one that uh, has really you know, kind of took on a life of its own and, and grown into its own nonprofit. So more on that here in a couple minutes. But let me first introduce my esteemed co-hosts for tonight. First, to my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time soon all right, Coach, you're uh, working your way through some kind of drinking uh, countdown to the holidays. You're probably counting down the days of school that you've got left. So uh, what's on your mind tonight? As you said earlier, the uh, might be a lot of hot takes from you tonight with your with your hot drink. Yeah, um, Mrs. Tonsoni and I are doing a 12 days of hot drink uh, uh, 
tasting. Uh, so I'm in the middle of a little hot cider, uh, spiked hot, hot cider tonight, uh, which is always good. We have one day of school left tomorrow, and then we have a couple weeks off. But uh, most importantly, I think uh, it's so excited to talk to Josh about the, the Hoosier uh, ticket uh, project. You know, when you serve others uh, in in this world, it, it just it means the world. And when you, you serve here now for Indiana University and getting families and people who can't go uh, to the games like like all of us can go, that, that is just a fantastic thing and something I'm very proud uh, to be talking about tonight. Uh, I've met Josh and Martha uh, at the tailgate, uh, I've had a crush on Martha for for years, um, and, and then I find out that it's Josh. So that's so I've gone through some some deals with that. But um, just just fantastic, Amanda, Josh, and everyone involved is, is fantastic. I, I also agree with you. The scheduling stuff is getting better. Out attending the Crossroads uh, Classic, the finish of that on Saturday in person, and I'm glad to see some other games be scheduled. So there's a lot of good things. I thought Indiana got back on track Sunday a little bit and did what they had to do Sunday, and just looking forward to continued success on the hardwood. All right, and to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the answers. Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips, who is uh, suffering through sinus issues, microphone issues, but fighting through it here with us tonight. Yeah, I'd just like the credit for the he's playing injured you know, crowd tonight. Uh, really, really struggling this evening, guys, but I decided to show up because that's, that's what I do. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give some love. First of all, the Kansas news was huge. That's just the big story of the week that Indiana is going to start having some marquee opponents. Uh, on a national level, I think that, you know, that helps with recruiting. It helps with developing your team. It helps with testing them early in the season. And I think that's huge. The other thing I want to mention, because, you know, we don't do it a lot on this show. And let's be real, there hasn't been a whole lot of good news for Indiana football this year. Uh, they closed a great recruiting class this week with uh, number 20th overall on 24-7 uh, sports, five four-star players, 14 three-stars, which is a lot for Indiana and Dasan McCullough. Uh, I think it helped a little bit. His dad's a coach, but still, it's the highest rated recruit uh, Indiana's ever had, according to 24 7. So, uh, some really good players there. And hopefully, you know, those guys have a chance to step on campus. Given how bad they were this year, those guys have a chance to step on campus and help out immediately. There's also a number of transfers coming into Indiana that could help immediately as well. So, uh, really, uh, some good news for football, something we haven't had in over a year. We will take it. All right. And to my other right, I guess, uh, he is the man behind one of the most popular IU Sports Twitter accounts out there. Uh, at the Mop Lady, the account has gained attention over the last few years for running an informal ticket matching service that has helped unused IU football and basketball tickets into the hands of people who can't normally attend games live. And our guest made a big announcement this week, formalizing the project by launching HoosierTicketProject.org. Uh, so making his first appearance on the assembly call, it's Josh Bruick. Josh? Welcome and uh, congrats on the the launch this week. As you were talking about a little bit before, uh, I'm sure none of us has a great idea of all that really went into <laughs> taking it from where it started to where it is now. But uh, huge accomplishment and uh, congratulations! Glad to have you on. Uh, greatly appreciate the opportunity to come on. Been a, been a fan of of the assembly call for some time and and excited to to make my first appearance and appreciate. It. It's been a big week for for myself for for Jason, my partner Jason, my partner Amanda. 
uh, a, a real labor of love putting this whole thing together. And and as I was talking to you guys before the show, it's you, you don't know what goes into starting a nonprofit uh, until you start a nonprofit. You don't know what you don't know, right? And it has been uh, exhausting. We had every every goal of starting during the football season, but there were hurdles, there were obstacles, and and um, but it, it's going to be worth it. The response has already been fantastic, and and you know anytime you see a. a a smiling face um, from somebody that's that's got got to watch a game at Assembly Assembly Hall for the first time. It's it, it makes it makes all that work worth it. So, been a great week for us, and and we're really excited about what's to come as well. Awesome. Well, we definitely want to uh, talk a little bit more about that and let people know if they want to get involved. How? So we'll hit that here uh, in a couple minutes. Uh, but on the show this week, we're going to talk some Hoosier headlines, uh, in which we'll talk about the Hoosier Ticket Project, as we mentioned. Uh, and then it's an oversized mailbag this week. Uh, we've got a number of questions from both the community and the uh, and our Discord, so basically loaded those up. We haven't had a ton of games to talk about since we uh, had last week's show. We did have the game over the weekend where, that we talked about. Um, but uh, going to try to hit a bunch of your questions here as we head into the, uh, the home stretch before the holidays. So... Uh, that will all be coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, uh, just a reminder, this edition of Assembly Call Radio is presented by our friends over at Homefield Apparel. As you think about what Christmas presents to get your loved ones, make sure that your online shopping includes a trip to homefieldapparel.com. And uh, I would say you probably want to shop quickly if you want to get it for Christmas at this point as it's uh, fast approaching. But for the IU fans in your life, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison uh, and the Oval, which Jared has... Uh, conspicuously omitted from this copy and for fans of other college teams Homefield probably has something for them too considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them and no matter what you buy you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings plus you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business what could be better than that Go to homefieldapparel.com and use your use our promo code HOME to save 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off your first order. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, guys. So who's your headlines this week? Uh, let's let's go back to Josh first. Uh, really wanted to talk about who's your ticket project and, and the details. So uh, you guys are... You know, you've got half a basketball season, I guess maybe two thirds of a basketball season left uh, as you look at it now. I know you talked about w- hoping that it would be uh, there for football. We joked with you before the show that perhaps it was a good thing that it wasn't. Um, but anyway, I, you know, what what are some ways that uh, well, I guess let's start here uh, for those who don't know the backstory of kind of where this began and uh, and got to this point. Uh, maybe give the overview of, of kind of how this started and how it's grown so much over these last couple of years. Sure. Um, for me, it, it, it really sparked kind of it's something that I wanted to do. If, if, if you remember back, you know, when I, you made the NIT, I want to say that was 2018. They had three, three NIT home games. Um, and, and the, the athletic department came out with $15 tickets. Um, and, and we've got a, we've got a copy of the original tweet that came out from the Martha account back then. But, but for me, it, it, it I always take my I'm up in Fort Wayne. I always take my mom down to a game a season. And, um, you know, we like to do it pretty big, get good seats, all that stuff. And it can end up being a, a really expensive day. You look back and like, man, that was that was that wasn't cheap. Um, and, and honestly, it's something that I've always taken for granted. We just do it right. But when you look at it, you're like, you know, how many 
how, how many people don't have that opportunity, right, in across the state? How many how many people have never been in assembly hall that would love to go that can't get tickets that can't afford for whatever reason, right? Um, and you know, I thought to myself, you know, when when Indiana made the NIT that year, there's a lot of disappointment. They were kind of on the cusp, or are they going to make the tournament? Aren't they? And ended up making the NIT, um, and I'm like, man, fifteen dollar tickets. What a perfect opportunity. What a what an inexpensive way to get some 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 people down to Assembly Hall. So I put a tweet out that just said, hey, if there's a family that hasn't been, that's never had the means to go, you know, hit me up. I'd love to send you. This is a perfect time to go. And um, it just kind of grew from there, right? A b- bunch of people jumped on and, and you know, we had maybe 10, 12 people jump on the first NIT home game. And then there were a couple more and it just grew and grew each game to where, you know, about the final game, we had so many tickets that we had to give a bunch of them to big brothers, big sisters down in Bloomington as a result and ended up sending just, you know, 75 to hundred kids to, to, to the NIT. So, and it's really just grown since then, right? It's become kind of an initiative, especially with, with people that, that have season tickets that don't, that, that aren't going to use them instead of, you know, the seats going empty they're, they're, you know they would just drop them into the Amartha account and say, Hey, can you find a home for these? And it became a lot of work, right? It was incredibly rewarding. Um, but it was a lot, right? You're, you're having tickets coming in and then you're trying to find qualified homes for them. So it's just a ton of back and forth. And I was, I was, I was primarily the one doing it. Um, until my 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 buddy Jason reached out, who's out in Boston, he 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 ran the IU Alumni Association out there for quite some time, and then eventually we ended up partnering with Amanda, who's got a huge presence at about just about every IU athletic event, it seems. But we had, we came we we put our heads together and, and came up with the idea to set up a nonprofit, essentially to take the whole thing to the next level. Right? It's been incredibly rewarding. Um, not only are we going to, is it going to allow us to continue to take tickets, but we'll be able to start accepting monetary donations. And as a 501 C three approved organization, we can partner with companies and businesses that want to donate money and buy even more tickets and partner with youth organizations to get kids that that would never have the chance and families that would never have the chance to, to, to IU football and IU basketball games. So, um, that's our goal. That's our initiative. Um, and it's been, you know, just, just from announcing this week, it's already, the, the response has been incredible. So we're, we're all really, really excited about where this thing is, is headed and could go. So how can people get involved? I know you're, you you're on mute, Andy. <clears throat> oh, so good. I'd set, trying really hard to just slide right into the next question. And there we go. Just totally blew it. Um, so how can, uh, how can people get involved? What are the different ways to, uh, to get involved both from a, um, both from the standpoint of donations, either ticket or monetary, but also for people who might be listening, who are in that boat of, Hey, I'm somebody who would really love the chance to go, but, um, want to get involved from that side of it. So what are, yep. what are kind of different ways for people to do that? Yeah. Great question. So, so, so the best thing to do is visit our, our website, uh, who's your ticket.org. Um, there's a, there, there's two forms that can be filled out. One, if you're interested in donating, if you've got a set of tickets that you don't want to use, whether they're through the IU portal, or if you just have an electronic copy, um, or if you'd like to connect with us with physical tickets, there's a donate form. There's also a form that if, if you're somebody that, that either, you know, it doesn't have to be yourself. You don't have to be the individual going to the game, but if you'd like to nominate somebody, right, you can, you can fill out the, you can fill out the form for tickets as well to request them. And, and all, all that we ask is that you tell us a little bit of your story, right? Why, why, why you think you're deserving of those tickets or why you think the, 
that an individual is deserving of tickets. And we try to we try to pair as many people as we can. Um, we, we depend solely on donations, whether they're, you know, whether they're tickets or you have the ability to make monetary donations as well. But, you know, we want to pair as many people as we can. That's the goal. So, um, again, especially around the holidays, if you know of somebody that's deserving of tickets, um, you know, visit our website, tell us their story. We would love to we would love to get as many people to games. You know, we've got a, a window of, of a couple months here of games left that we'd love to get as many people as, as we can. And then as we, you know, we, we enter the off season, we're, we're going to, we're going to work to, to, to come back strong with football season next fall. Awesome. And I know um, you guys have always done a great job of posting some of the photos of, of, of people who get the tickets on the, the mop lady account. I saw you've got a number of them up on the website already. Um, those are really, I'm sure I'm going to say this and, it, and I'm, I'm a the third party in this. I'm sure even more so the case for you, but those are the things that always kind of like bring it home for me. I remember just seeing that like flood of those pictures there and then trying to take yourself back to the first time that you were able to, you know, walk into assembly hall and go to a game or, or go to Memorial stadium and, uh, some of those things. So those are always kind of my, my, uh, the, the smiles on, uh, folks doing that always, uh, make it a little bit extra special as you do that. So I'm sure you guys will, uh, have even more pictures to share and, uh, and all that. But, um, but again, really yeah, encourage, what, oh, go ahead, coach. What, what's really awesome is I, I'll never forget the first time I took my dad. Uh, I was a junior or sophomore, I believe. And, and he brought me up on Indiana basketball, watching Martha, the mop lady on channel four and getting ready for the games. Uh, and then he never had a chance to go. Cause we lived up in Northern Indiana when I was a student, he came down and and Ryan, you, I think you just brought your parents for one of the first times here when we had a meetup, uh, correct? Mom came for the first time, yeah. Yeah, and, and I know there's a, a lot of people, so that those pictures bring back memories, even if we're not part of the donation, whether we're donating yeah. or going or whatever. Uh, following you also brings back a lot of those memories of what it was like to walk into Memorial Stadium, what it was like to, to, to walk in. I, I think that's just a, a, a fantastic thing, again, to applaud. And I, I know you're just getting started, but – is there any thought about uh, other IU uh, tickets? If, if someone like uh, myself with soccer tickets or baseball tickets or volleyball tickets give to local, probably more like Bloomington for those people, you know, boys and girls clubs, uh, any down the road, maybe thoughts of, of being able to, to deal with that. My wife and I said we would love to buy tickets like that uh, to help the athletic department uh, by buying tickets and then by helping – you know, local boys and girls maybe getting on onto campus if they could. Just any – I know you're just starting. hate to tell you – talk about the future there. No, a bit, but any thought about that? Yeah, great question. Coach is just dropping in the suggestion box for you, so you can just, just right. go, redo, do do with that what you will. Yeah, no, I, I love it. It's uh, you know we've received a lot of a, a lot of uh, even more so this year than than we have in the past. A lot of women's basketball tickets that that you know we're we're, we're distributing a lot of those, and we hadn't really done that in the past. And I think a lot of that is because of their success. But to answer your question, yes, I mean if if you know the the good thing about this is especially becoming a nonprofit is that we can partner with other nonprofits like Big Brothers Big Sisters and um, you know organizations like that, Boys and Girls Club. Um, different different organizations in Bloomington that if we get tickets like that, these are these are perfect these are perfect perfect things to 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 partner with organizations like that because it gives them something to do. Like you know, let's say if you got a if you've got a if you're a big brother and you've got a little that you're working with, that's a perfect opportunity to, to get them out and do something, right? So we've already had discussions with them. We've already donated tickets to them, and and um, you know, regardless of the sport, we are open to. We're not limited to 
to, to specific sports, but if there's, you, you know, we've, we've had a lot of conversations with different coaches and they've even donated, but you know, we want to get as many people into games, uh, whatever game it is, right. We're trying to create and establish the next generation of Hoosier fans as well. That's part of this as well. And, you know, the athletic department's been great, whether it's, whether it's been, you know, a coach donating the former athletic director donating tickets because they see the value in this project. You know, not only are we, not only are we helping families and, and children that otherwise wouldn't have had opportunities, but we're filling empty seats that would, you know, that would otherwise go empty. We're help creating, like I mentioned, the next generation of, of, of Indiana fans. So um, they're, they're 100% on board with them. They've been very, very supportive. So um, I guess that's a long way of answering your question that yes, we are 100% open to, to, you know, taking tickets for other sports and, and working to find the appropriate matches for them. Awesome. Well, again, awesome. congrats on the uh, launch and best of luck. Got a lot of lot of supporters here in, in the chat. I know, so uh, can't wait to see can't wait to see where it goes next. It's been a uh, like I said, it's been a quick ascension here in just a, a couple short years. Um, so I can't wait to see where you guys take it. So, uh, all right, a couple other quick headlines here as we go. Um, we got the last Crossroads Classic this weekend. Uh, overall records, uh, as Jared put in here, IU seven and three, Butler six and four. Notre Dame four and six, Purdue three and seven. Uh, in terms of Notre Dame preview, we did a little bit of this after the uh, after the game on Sunday. I think it was. Um, you know, Notre Dame is was really reeling before uh, knocking off Kentucky last weekend. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that momentum, kind of strength on strength with IU's defense ranked 14th in adjusted efficiency. Notre Dame's offense ranked 24th. Uh, but on the flip side, Notre Dame's defense as has more often than not been the case with Mike Bray, a, a bit of a struggle there. 110th uh, ranked right now, uh, have really struggled defending the three-point line, also struggled on two-point shots as well, quite frankly. Um, so, um, you know, I, you should hopefully be able to, to, to get some things done on the offensive end, but we'll be tested a bit uh, by Notre Dame's, uh, Notre Dame's defense coach. I don't know if you've gotten to watch any Notre Dame this year, or if anybody from uh, Delphi Bracketology has covered any games in, in person for them, you got any other scoop besides that, or uh, or is uh, or is that it? No, my only scoop is Indiana needs to win. Um, you know, and, and and Notre Dame Notre Dame scares you because if they can get hot, they can put some points together uh, rather quickly. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, you know, Indiana had to hit a three. I think Armand Franklin hit a three in the corner. And they had to withstand a, a real hot team in the second half, uh, and that's the kind of game these crossroad classics sometimes gets. Is, is a lot of tight games, but Indiana needs to take care of business uh, in this one uh, to finish off the, the the tough part of if it is tough the tough part of their non conference. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think it's a game that feels like IU should win, needs to win, uh, all those kinds of things. So. Um... That's a two thirty tip on Fox uh, for that one. For those who are uh, not sure when that one is, uh, IU Kansas series where I talked about that and the football recruiting. Ryan touched on that. Um, you know, Ryan, any, anything stand out to you about the you know kind of last of the of the crossroads uh, or uh, or anything with the Kansas series? Well, it's really set up that Indiana has to win this, I think, and and. Uh, who knows what Notre Dame becomes moving forward, but this is the last chance to get a non-conference win uh, against a, you know, a decent opponent, uh, decent as far as name goes uh, opponent. And so it's really boiled down, you know, when you lose the game to Wisconsin and uh, you lose, you know, another game that you should have you know, to Syracuse that you should have won. 
um, you've got it. You put yourself in a hole where you got to win this one, I think. And um, so I think that, you know, they got to take care of business. They will secure the best record ever in the crossroads, which nobody cares about, but it's bragging rights for something. Uh, eight and three would be, you know, to say, to be able to say that, but, you know, Purdue is going to be, is three and seven in at all time, as Andy said. So, you know, a little, little, little bragging rights there, even though, again, nobody cares. Um, but that, and, you know, I think that, that you see the way the non-conference has gone this year and, and adding Kansas next year uh, and potentially another big game, which has been rumored, uh, is, you know, a, a huge deal to be able to put games on national television. It's big for recruiting, as I said. It's going to be big for, you know, your, sta- your standing because, you know, Kansas is always going to be top 10 uh, or top 15 minimum. Uh, so I think that it's it's always – good to challenge yourself against good opponents. You don't know who you're going to get in the ACC Big Ten Challenge every year. You could get a a dog once in a while. And so it just gives you a solid uh, opponent to test yourself against early in the year. Yeah, Josh, what are you looking forward to for the the final Crossroads game against Notre Dame on uh, Saturday? Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with both Coach and Ryan. I think uh, the thing that concerns me a little bit is I think Indiana comes in with a pressure on them, right? Notre Dame's four and four, but they're coming off a, a, a really nice win, and they've got some confidence. And um, you know, the young, the young freshman guard Blake uh, Wesley, I think is his last name. I mean, he, he yep. hit that last second shot against Kentucky, and and you know, I think he's a budding star, right? They're they're tip, tip, for me, they look like a typical Notre Dame team, well balanced, no. No, no real star on the team except he looks like he's he's he he could be one right and you just got a young confident team and an Indiana team that you know the pressure's on them because again they they need this win so hopefully they're able to you know it's going to be an interesting atmosphere um you know I'm, I'm confident that they'll come out with a win but you know they've they've got the pressure on them so so we're going to see these games always make me nervous so um you know looking forward to looking forward to see how you know i'd like i'd like to see him finish a challenge right we've had two two road losses that you feel like we came out of them and, and should have won so looking forward to them to looking forward to seeing them kind of you know cross the you know put the check mark on a on a challenge here and get the win feels like at the crossroads whoever shoots well wins it's mm-hmm. always felt yeah. that way because it's a hard place to shoot and you know it's a different background it's a bigger arena it feels like whoever shoots well wins. And so if any of the knocks down shots can get Stewart and Cop going and yep. maybe get Bates hit, hit a couple, uh, you feel like they can come out of it with a pretty comfortable win. Yeah, I mean, that was really it when Notre Dame beat Kentucky. I think Kentucky was 2 of 19 from 3. Obviously, it wasn't played in the same same venue, but that was a huge, huge factor in that where Kentucky had been at least shooting it a little bit better than they had in recent seasons. So uh, I would agree. Hopefully, you can get off to a good start and uh, – and go from there. All right. Well, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we are emptying the mailbag this week. We got a lot of questions, and we're going to roll through them all, starting with ones about this year's team that we'll hit uh, next here on the Assembly Call. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, welcome everybody. Ryan's excited. Good conversations in the chat mob. We've talked uh, some bourbon, you know, we're we're talking a little bit of, you know, crossroads, uh, some women's volleyball action going on. And, you know, either, either they're really into a lot of stuff or we're boring as hell. One of the two people bringing up the chargers, which is just a chargers to to engage. (laughs) (laughs) You love them. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the nicest thing Joel has said in a long time. He put a heart, Joel put a heart for you. (laughs) He is, he is, we're working, we're working with Joel on, on on doing some nice things. He gave you a heart. Look, uh, as a week long chiefs fan, we are going to blow the charges out tonight. We, (laughs) we're going to come together and we're going to be, who do they play next week? I think it's the Raiders. And then we, the Raiders are going to beat the hell out of them next week. (laughs) Ryan, you're a treasure. I am. That's what my mom always told me growing up. <laughs> hey, this rum's really good. 12 days of drinking Christmas, I highly suggest it. <laughs> With your significant other, nice warm drinks. You hot won't remember the holiday, night. but who really needs to? It's, no. you know, they all run together. <laughs> all right, you guys ready to get these? <laughs> it might be questions? my best show ever. Could be. Coach just getting loosened up here. We're going to. Who knows where this might go? <laughs> Who knows? All right. Well, like I said, I tried to group these ones. There's a lot of questions about the bench and the rotation. I kind of grouped those together. So we'll hit the questions on this year's team first, and then we can break and do some of the other stuff uh, after that. All right. Here we go. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers! And welcome back to the Assembly Call. Tonight, uh, we're excited to announce we have a new sponsor for our main segment of Assembly Call Radio. Just like all of our other sponsors, they started out as either friends of the show or IU diehards just like us. It's the Superior Insulators, owned by longtime listener and IU season ticket holder, Brad. So with winter right around the corner, the timing is perfect to tell you about their high-performance insulation and air barrier systems for both residential and commercial. And you know their work is high quality because they did the air barrier systems and spray foam for the IU Excellence Academy. And they also worked on the IU Football Locker Room, Marching 100 Hall, and a number of other buildings around campus. So visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And thank you, Brad, for your continued support of the show. All right, let's open up the mailbag. All of these questions submitted in our private IU sports discussion community or in our Discord. Uh, if your question gets used, you get a little reward paid out in HomeCoin, the new community coin we launched recently on the Rally platform. All right, so let's get to it. A number of questions about the bench and substitution patterns, um, but it's kind of hard to lump them together. So uh, we'll go through them a little bit here. I know we talked a little bit about this 
uh, either on Assembly Car Radio last week or, or uh, after the Merrimack game. I forget which. Maybe both, uh, quite honestly. But this question from Dave, and, and Ryan, I'll throw this to you since you weren't able to be on the show on Sunday. Uh, what are your thoughts on the NBA-style sub-pattern, which leaves five subs on the court for two to three minutes per half? I would say it's probably more been more than two to three minutes, although I haven't quite tracked it. But yeah. uh, general thoughts Especially on kind of the way Woodson is, is subbing and, and some of that. I know it's come up in some of the post-game shows, but what are your, what are your thoughts now? Well, I, I like it better than leaving your starters out there for 37 minutes early in the season. I do think you need to develop that bench, and if that means them playing together – you know, it, especially with how deep he wants to go and, and, and what he's liked to use so far. Uh, look, if it's the heart of the Big Ten season, you probably don't do that. But early in the season, they're kind of experimenting and figuring out who can play with who and things like that. You can do some, you can do a certain amount of that in practice, but you can't do all of that. You know, it, it's not the same when you get on the floor in a game. I mean, no matter how much you prepare, a coach will tell you this. Once you get on the floor of a game, it's, it's a completely different vibe. And, um, I do think that he needs to be more mindful of how long he keeps them out there together and maybe insert a starter to sort of, you know, <clears throat> sort of restore order sometimes when things don't go well. Um, I think that, you know, a, 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 a bench group and then maybe Trace Jackson Davis could probably have some success and give them some confidence if he's playing well. Uh, Xavier Johnson, if he's, you know, having one of his good games, leading a group of younger guys might, might be a positive. So I, I, I do think you have to mix and match a little bit. The, the NBA model is essentially you start subbing guys at about seven to ten minutes, and you slowly, one by one, put the entire bench in. They play until about seven minutes left in the second quarter. So, you know, that's a huge chunk of time. And then the starters finish the, finish the half, and then you do the same thing in the second half. And I don't think that works in college basketball. I think you really have to mix and match a bit uh, to make sure that some of these guys – because, look – NBA players can all rise to the occasion. Sometimes a freshman guard can't rise to the occasion and, and, and sort of maintain order. Things can get out of hand. Momentum is a much bigger factor in college basketball than it is in the NBA. So you can't let yourself fall too bar, far behind. You can't let yourself let a lead get chipped away too much. Um, so it's really a feel thing, and I think that he'll figure it out as he goes. I mean, Mike Woodson's a smart guy. He'll figure it out as he goes, but right now it can look a little ragged. Yeah, Josh, what, what have your impressions been uh, of the – of the substitution patterns and uh, and kind of how Woodson has tried to bring some of the NBA to the college game in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot with Ryan said. I think it's it's you're seeing it against the right opponents, right? And it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves getting into conference, you know, conference play. But I think it's allowing some guys to gain some confidence, some some experience that they may not have otherwise gotten, and hopefully it, you know, hopefully you you see some, you know, some. You know, for a while, it seemed like it was Trace and a bunch of other guys, right? You know, he was, you know, Trace and a bunch of guys that, that um, you know, were contributing, but nobody's really stepping up as that second score. And you just hope that it, you know, continues to provide those opportunities and somebody steps up like, a, you know, you, you've seen spurts from like a, a Tamar Bates, right? Like, is he going to be our, our second scoring threat? And he's usually one of those guys coming off the bench and, and getting a lot of those, a lot of those minutes that, that Ryan was speaking to. So, um, I think it's allowing some guys to gain some confidence, but you know, my whole thing is it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves as we as we get into conference play for sure. So the next question, Coach, kind of along those lines, Stephen framed it up this way: It seems that the true bench five lineup has proven to not be successful. With that assumption, a tweak could be to have one starter sub out earlier and then sub back in to play with the four man bench group. Which of the current starters would you want to lead that bench lineup? 
Uh, he said, could see arguments for any of X, Race, or Parker as players who take on a more central offensive role with the bench unit or possibly even using TJD with the other four starters together carrying a larger offensive load when playing together without him for a stretch. So if you were going to go to that mode, who would you kind of insert with the bench lineup uh, to, to build around? Well, it's interesting. I think I said on the post game show, it's just odd to see that NBA style in a college game. And it, so, do I like it, not like it, or is it, am I just not used to it? And most of it is I'm just not used to it. But there are some concerns. I think that, you know, if I had a chance to sit in a film session with Coach Woodson, I'd ask him. And one of which is, do guys like Rob and Tamar uh, have a better chance of performing with a guy like uh, TJD out there where there's double teams? Uh, as opposed to Durr and Geronimo out there, and then they get heavily guarded. So uh, are you maximizing uh, your roster when you do the five-man five you know, subs for five, six, seven, eight minutes? It does bit resting your starters, uh, and I think that's very, very valuable. You never want to take Race and Trace Jackson Davis off the floor, but you have to for each game having them at their best, and you need them down in March uh, at their best as well. So I don't mind getting scheduled minutes. Uh, I personally would prefer a more staggered substitution, but that's just uh, a habit of mine as a coach and as a fan of seeing it. But I do wonder if Tamar would get more looks uh, if they had to double team. And I kind of would like to see race and Trace Jackson Davis out there almost all 40 minutes uh, and, and sub one of them out and keep one of them in. And, and then you can bring Durr in for a little bit with with race. And then you can bring Geronimo in with Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, I would I would really be interested in seeing how that played out. But I'm in a big trust Coach Woodson mode um, I- until I, I really believe that – you know, that, you know, he, he's doing what he's doing. If it's a learning process and he changes for the better, or if this gets better and we don't fall behind uh, as we have a couple times with that rotation, then then we'll be okay. It's just odd for me, Andy, to see the wholesale uh, subs uh, watching college basketball. So kind of in the, in the middle. Um, there's obviously some reasons that they're doing it. So, um, but yeah, Trace Jackson Davis would have to be out there. I think one of the shooters – uh, out there with Rob uh, helps again Rob be better um, you know if you have Tamar and and cop or something like that and I have two shooters and that might free up some of the struggles uh, that Rob has had so I'd like to see some some changes along those lines I guess Ryan if you had to take one guy of the starters to, to kind of play with the a bench group which which way would you go I would say TJD or race. Uh, I think with race, the energy he provides might get everybody else going because I think that bench group gets a little stagnant from time to time. Maybe their cuts aren't as hard. And again, we've talked about this endlessly. Younger guys think they're cutting hard, think they're playing hard. It's just you realize that there's an, you, you get to a point where you realize there's another level uh, of what you can do. Um, so I would say race Thompson with his, with his energy and stuff like that and his ability to defend at the back, the backside, maybe that'll help get guys going. Um, but yeah, I think I think race would work with that. Uh, maybe he becomes more of a central offensive option and takes the post uh, touches that TJD would get. Um, I think TJD would work with anybody. Uh, so, but also you know Miller Cop is a guy who can run off screens and get open and maybe hit some shots. And we've seen him you know take guys off the bounce this year and hit pull ups and things like that. He could be an option as well. Josh, you got a a guy you'd lean toward in that in that scenario. Well, I thought I did, but Ryan took it at the end. There it was it would have been Miller Cop too, because I th- I just think he's you know from an energy standpoint to Ryan's point, he's just a guy that you know can can make some of those long range shots and just 
you know, seems like he's a glue guy with the team in terms of keeping them together, keeping the energy high, a leader. You know, if they're, you know, there's been some discussion about who is the leader, but he seems like a guy that could emerge as that, you know, as, as time goes on with his experience in the league and, and things like that. So he, he'd be my choice for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because you're kind of balancing the, the TJD argument. I think in most cases you'd probably say him because he's a you know kind of gravitational player, whatever you want to say, where he's going to attract most of the defensive attention, which I think, Coach, is what you were alluding to, and that frees some things up for other people. Now, in the way this question is phrased, that also means that you take TJD off the floor quicker uh, than he has been. So that's that's part of the balancing act where maybe he's not the guy uh, you, would, you would do that with in that scenario. But I think certainly having somebody like that that – attracts the attention of the defense is is helpful it's just a matter of balancing again maybe i'm taking the question too literally in the sense that he'd be the first one out so that he could come back in with the bench guys but um definitely some definitely some good options so this is the last you know, question about the rotation um re- is from tom realistically do you think coach woodson will be confident enough in the bench to use a 10-man rotation once big 10 play starts josh i'll let you take that one first do you think this is a we're using this non-conference to get a feel for different guys and things like that. And it eventually pairs down, or is this a, at least on some level, a system that Woodson sticks with into the heart of the big 10 season? I, I think you have to pare it down a little bit when you get in the league, you've got to keep, you know, you're going to, you're going to be forced, I think, to keep your, your, your top guys on the court more. I think he's, he's providing every opportunity for guys to emerge as, as, as options to bring off the bench. And, and he's doing it against the right opponents. But when you get into conference play, the big 10 is just too tough to, 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 in my opinion, to, to have a 10 man rotation, your, your top players are going to be off the court too much. And, and, um, you know, I think there'll be more matchups, right? You're gonna need Michael Michael Durr against some opponents, and there may be other opponents where he's not the right guy to be on the court. So, I think it's gonna be more matchup dependent. But I think at a certain point, it, it's gonna have to shrink up a bit as you get into conference play. Coach, what are your thoughts on that one? How do you think the rotation yeah. changes? Yeah, you know, um, he's really trying hard to give guys confidence and have confidence in guys, and. and I applaud that, and I think we're seeing some of the benefits of that. But at, at some point, I think he's also going to realize when you're going up against Michigan State, Illinois, Ohio State, that you know um, the five subs at one time might not work out, uh, and maybe it does. And, and we'll in a month or two, we're saying, man, that really worked out. We had a fresh TJD at the end of each half. That that kind of thing. There are some benefits to that. But I, I do believe you play your top eight guys and sprinkle in nine and ten. Uh, I just think that's been a, a good formula for, for many schools. If you look at box scores around the country, you're going to see the top seven guys getting major minutes, the eighth guy getting some, and then it just depends, as Josh said, on matchups. Sometimes what 9-10 get in or foul trouble, uh, and those guys got to be ready. It is interesting to have this done in the preseason against our schedule that you can probably get away with uh, playing 10 guys and building that confidence. But I think you've seen that historically, that it does need to be pared down. And um I would wager that Coach Woodson would see that. But I don't think it's because of necessarily not trusting them. It's just what's best for Indiana um, and maybe trusting them for what's best for Indiana. Yes, but I think all the guys have shown that they can do things. Leo has shown he's do things. Galloway, could. it's just what's going to be right, the right eight-man formula uh, against these big opponents in the Big Ten. Ryan, thoughts on uh, this before we hit the next question? Yeah, they're going to have to tighten the rotation, I think, for Big Ten play. It always happens. Um, you want to – ideally, you'd love to have 10 guys who can play because then you've got depth for fouling or injuries or whatever. But I think the rotation gets tightened as soon as they get into the heart of Big Ten play. It just it just seems to happen every year and with every coach. So I think it will. 
All right. Next question is from Glenn. Uh, I have two lingering concerns, turnovers, and playing well for a full 40 minutes. Don't we all, Glenn? Don't we all? Uh, we do not seem to value the ball. Uh, we do not seem to value the value ball security enough. We cannot seem to put forward 40 minutes of good effort. What does the coaching staff need to do in order to address these issues in the next few games so that we do not experience another Syracuse slash Wisconsin type outcome? Coach, I'll throw this one to you first. Uh, from a coaching perspective, you know, I think one of those is probably a little bit easier to handle uh, than the other when you think about turnovers versus the 40 minutes of effort. But, you know, what are some things you've tried over the course of time to to correct those kinds of issues? You know, I, I just – it's kind of cliche-ish and coaches use it all the time, but you just got to keep teaching. Uh, you teach what is an acceptable play. And some of it is still being aggressive. You want that. Uh, some of it is, you know, the nonchalant turnovers or, or the turnovers that could have been prevented. You put them in drills. You put them in disadvantage drills. You put them in pressure drills, five on sevens, whatever. There are so many ways you can teach kids how to handle pressure defense or trapping defense or whatever is has been, been the issue. For Indiana, it's just been, I think, trying too hard to hit home runs. Uh, I use the uh, we use it all the time. Singles and doubles win games. Uh, be fundamentally strong. Play off two feet. You know, pass fake, shot fake. Those things. Uh, you you watch Indiana's turnover, especially that Syracuse game, and and I imagine some other games. It, it, they're too in a hurry. And, and what I gather is that they're just trying so hard right now to do well for Indiana for Coach Woodson that they play out of their uh, area of of you know not expertise, but they play too fast um you know would um wouldn't be quick but don't hurry uh type of, of deal from a basketball perspective so you just got to keep communicating film study then you put them in drills then you put them in live five on five then you stop and pull someone out make them run if you have to uh but it's teaching 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 and, and sometimes it, it takes a lot as far as the 40 minutes uh, if i had that i'd be coaching you know uh, UCLA or something right now about if I could master getting people to play for 40 minutes, that that's a psychology degree that, you know, everyone's there. There's always going to be moments of letdown in a game. You, you want to just maximize effort, um, and so forth. And, and I just really get the sense and maybe it's my crimson colored glasses that these guys want to do well. And sometimes when people want to do well so bad, they don't do well because the pressure gets to them and then they drop their head for a couple possessions and they don't realize that, you know, you're not going to be perfect. We're going to coach you to perfection, but you're not going to be perfect. Just make the next play, next play. And, uh, boy, that can be hard to get uh, into someone's psyche to do that if they've not had that success for years. Losing is a habit as well as winning is a habit. Uh, and struggling inside of games is a habit. And all you can do is just keep teaching and putting them, trying to put them in positions to be successful and hope that it catches, and then it becomes uh, uh, the winning habits overtake the losing habits. So – Josh and Ryan, I'll kind of frame this question up to you guys this way. You know, um, Glenn mentions those being his two biggest concerns in terms of turnovers and playing well for 40 minutes. Uh, do, do you guys think that those are the biggest two issues that this team faces as we look forward? Or are there other things that you're maybe more worried about than that? Ryan, I'll, I'll let you take that first. No, that's that's absolutely it. The turnovers are a big deal because you can cause points going the other way. Um and, and then I'd say, yeah, absolutely, playing 40 minutes. I mean, they've, they've played some really good 20-minute stretches so far this year. The first half of Wisconsin, second half against Syracuse. Some great, great first halves where you're like, hey, this is a top 15 team if they play right. And then they've disappointed us in the other 20 minutes. And 
Excuse me. <laughs> Josh, why don't you take over while Ryan is? What he's saying yeah, is it's is... important to put 40 minutes together if I can read his mind. Uh, it's been 47 minutes on this podcast, so, you know, I just hit my wall. Um, but, no, I, I just think that it's putting the putting that uh, that second 40 minutes together and matching them is the most important thing this team will do. Even if you get another 10 minutes of good play, like forget the full half. If you get 30 minutes of good play, 27 minutes of good play, you probably win the two games you've lost. So it's it's really an issue for this team, and and I don't know, and it's it's not like it's been they they start slow and then the second half is great. They've had to go both ways, and so you don't know if it's an easy solution. Like maybe change up what you're doing in pregame so they come out better. They've come out great a few times, and then the second half collapse. So yeah, they got to find a way to play 40 minutes. It's the biggest thing hindering this team, and I would say turnovers are right there. Josh, what about you? Those are the biggest two concerns that you have at this point in the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not, I, maybe I'm not as overly worried about them as some, you know, I think at, at times we forget all, all the newness that's involved with this team, right? There, the, 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 the changeover on the roster, right? There's so many new faces. It's a, it's a brand new coaching staff, a, a, a new offense. And, you know, what are we 10 games into this thing? And, and, you know, yeah, we've had a couple stumbles against two, two quality opponents, but um, we saw a lot of good in those two. So I think a lot of it can get cleaned up. You know, we've talked a lot about shortening up the bench and, you know, as, as that happens, you know, hopefully, you know, the guys that, that are out on the court have a little more confidence and you're, you're seeing a little bit less in terms of turnovers. I think Trey Galloway returning is a, a big thing, right? He's, a, I just think he's a, a from a basketball IQ standpoint, he's just the guy that come in and and provide some stability when when things may get chaotic. And and um, you know, I think they miss him right now. They haven't had him for either of those games. And and um, you know, when I I just I firmly believe that when things go awry like they did, he's just a guy that can come in and and make the right pass and make the correct read and be in the right place at the right time. It's what players like. It's what, to me, it's what coaches' sons do, right? They that, that's what they do well. So um, I think we really miss him, and I think getting him back for for conference play is going to be a really really big deal. He's that downhill guy, Josh. To yep. you know, we have shooters on the perimeter that are are spot up shooters that aren't necessarily good off the bounce. You can bring Galloway in now; he can drive by pressure defenses uh, and create open shots for people too. That. Uh, it, X can do a little bit. Rob's struggling to do, but Galloway really is dry first kind of dude. Uh, I, I agree with you. All right. Last question we'll hit in this segment is from Dave Vanderlaan. Uh, just based on Indiana's results, what is the path to IU's first appearance in the top 25? His guess would be going undefeated from here through Ohio State on January 6th. So just so everybody has a sense of the schedule here so i use got notre dame on saturday as we discussed already then they play wednesday the 22nd northern kentucky wednesday the 29th unc Asheville. not sure either of those really move the needle substantially then they have a trip to penn state uh then they come home to to face ohio state in that game on thursday january 6th uh and they also have a home game against minnesota on sunday january 7th so given that the poll comes out on monday if you went undefeated during that stretch which would be six straight games here you're 14 and two that that feels about right i mean you've got to knock off somebody good to really get on that radar or you, you need a bunch of other people to lose um at some point and the notre dame win while it would be helpful um and and needed from a bracketology standpoint i don't know that anything else really moves the needle and gets you on the radar um more definitively than that Ohio State game. So I feel like that probably feels like the stretch. After that, you go into the next week where you only play once. You play at Iowa. So, you know, maybe it's it's after that. But I think you need to go on a pretty good 
pretty good run, I would say, in the next couple of weeks to really get there because most, you know, a few of the games there don't really do a whole lot for you. Plus, there just aren't a ton of games, as the same case with a lot of people, just with finals and holidays and things like that. So that'll be my uh, that'll be my guess on that one. All right. Well, coming up, we'll uh, hit some more of your questions, and uh, these are less about this year's team, but a handful uh, of questions, including one for Coach, uh, and also a question on bracketology that we'll uh, do our best to answer. So that's all next year on The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. All right. I think that hit all the ones in that section. So, Cheers to Mark Turgeon. Um, hope he's doing well. One less guy on my Big Ten coaches shit list. Now it's down to two. Greg Garden, Fran, everybody. Hey uh, <laughs> guys, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna bow out because I feel a string of about 20 minutes of coughing coming on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna step off. Um, well, it, that definitely makes it tempting to keep you on, but uh, I know we really just for the entertainment value alone. Josh, it was good. To, it was great to have you on. You're doing likewise, awesome man. Work. Get feeling well. Thank you. Uh, hopefully after the weekend, I will feel better. Um, coach, keep kicking it back. Yeah, Always. You need you to try stay some young, of his, man. You got to try some of his hot cider. I know exactly. I was just thinking a little about hot that. cider with rum. That'll clear you up. All right, guys. Thanks <laughs> to right. everybody who listened, yep. watched. Feel better. All right, take Thank care, Thanks. All righty. Uh, all right. Oh, coach, you're hydrating with water allegedly. So try to balance it out. I appreciate that. that. Water. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I have, I have questions, but you never, I'm in a Christmas mood, fellas. I mean, we got Josh on my crush. That sounds so weird. Looking at Josh, my crush for many years, Martha, the mob lady, you know, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Hey, you know what though, Andy, on a serious, sad note, I mean, the CBS classic got canceled now, right? UCLA is not playing North Carolina, Ohio state canceled, their game against Kentucky for Saturday, Seton Hall. It, if they have to miss more games next week, will be forfeits in the Big East. So we're right on the cusp of of college basketball and NFL um, with this darn stuff. Um, yeah. Cancellations really affecting the the landscape a little. Yeah, the bit. last last I saw is Kentucky going to play North Carolina instead in Vegas, or is that there was some rumor of that? Um, I think they talked about doing it. I don't know if that's how it'll play out. Oh, somebody said that in the chat. Ross said in the chat, yep. okay, now playing UNC. I had seen that that was a possibility, but I hadn't seen if it was confirmed. But, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, things are escalating quickly. 
between some of these pro teams and whatever else. But yeah, a lot of colleges. I know that Iona Seton Hall. I think the Northwestern Bulls have DePaul, canceled Northwestern two games DePaul. in the NBA. Um, yeah, not good. Not good. Nope, not at all. Stay safe, everybody. Absolutely. Right. Uh, all right. Well, let's do this. My computer battery is on the plunge here, so I think we got. I think I got enough juice to get through the <laughs> whatever questions we got left. If it starts getting close, I'll uh, I'll cut us off. But hopefully we can, hopefully we can knock these out. All right, here we go. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Go Hoosiers! All right, and welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and our special guest, Josh Bruick, tonight. So we are uh, Ryan had to bow out in between segments. He's uh, fighting off a, a sinus issue, so he gave us uh, the best hour that he could, and uh, and uh, is taking the rest of the night off. So we got a few other questions here uh, from our mailbag. Again, all questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community. You can learn more about that uh, and join it at assemblycall.com slash community. So uh, let's see. Let's start with this one. Uh, he said, first, Martha, congrats on the ticket exchange project. Andy and Coach, are there notable or interesting bracketology trends so far this year? So, Coach, I know you and uh, your team at Delphi have put out at least one, if not multiple, in-season brackets so far. So any interesting trends that you guys have noticed so far as you've been putting the brackets together? Well, you know, it's just way too early. You know that, Andy. That's why you don't mess around with it. We do it more for practice for our guys. And and then, uh, you know, we're doing a podcast before this show every Thursday just talking about our, our reasoning and how to do things. But the trend that's out there is you've got to play people and you've got to beat people and that road victories really matter in this net calculation. There are a lot of teams that are, you know, moving up our seed list or the net because they've – early on played games uh, away from home uh, and, and beaten people. So I, I see that as a trend. I, I also think, you know, the net can be gamed by blowing out people in your offense and defensive efficiencies. I, I think you see some of that, uh, it, even if you play weaker opponents, but you win by 30 or 40, that does have an impact uh, on your ranking. But there were there's some surprises that uh, have low rankings. Kentucky, Arkansas, they haven't played anybody yet. Uh, now that'll clean up itself. Uh, I think uh, Kentucky plays four or five games here right in a row that are are, are really tough. But um, the Big East is having a really solid year. The SEC is off to a good start. Uh, I think the other trend is that the Big Ten. I was a little down on the Big Ten early. They've kind of kicked it back in gear and have a lot of teams in the top fifty, which is going to benefit. Um, the Big Ten, so I think they're on the rebound. But boy, the ACC and Pac-12, those trends—they are way, way down. I would, I would imagine you might only see seven or eight combined from those two power conferences. Uh, that's the trend that that it's it's looking. So, and then this might be the year of the mid-major. There, there's some solid mid-majors. Um, Iona beats Alabama. Belmont uh, has a good net ranking. UAB. You know, if teams don't win their conference, they might sneak in as at large. I think you're going to see a couple possible um, mid-majors uh, in at-larges at the 10-11 seed line. So that's kind of what we're seeing. Still way too early to say anything for sure. Well, Coach took about anything that I had even considered saying, so I don't need to add a ton to that. Um, yeah, yeah, leagues that have really struggled and have 
put themselves in difficult positions would certainly be the ACC and the Pac-12, at least out of the Power Six. Uh, the ACC, it, you know, nobody has really uh, asserted themselves. I, I wouldn't say I think Duke. Duke has has certainly played well. I guess they would be the one. Um, but you've got a jumbled mess. If you look at some of the projected records on Ken Palm, there's almost everybody that's somewhere between eight and twelve and twelve and eight. Um, so not a lot of separation at the top. And I think depending upon how that shakes out, if somebody can't emerge, you run the risk of not having a ton of teams from there. Similarly, the Pac-12 uh, is looking like a three-bid league at this point already with USC, Arizona, UCLA. Washington State just lost to New Mexico State last night. They were maybe the fourth team there. So a lot of things there. And that then in turn translates to you're going to get potentially multiple teams from the Mountain West, whether that's Colorado State, San Diego State, Utah State, some of those kinds of teams. Um, do you get multiple teams out of the A-10 with St. Bonaventure and maybe somebody else jumping in there? Um, West Coast Conference seems destined to get at least two, perhaps three, with uh, a number of teams off to good starts there. And then, as Coach said, you've got some of these other mid-major leagues where you may have people that are in good enough position that even even losing their conference tournament still puts them in. So I think the – you know, some of the, the top leagues, the Big 12, Big 10, Big East, probably end up with about the same number that you would have expected at the beginning of the season. Uh, probably the SEC I would I would put in there as well. But, you know, some of those teams that the ACC and the Pac-12 might lose get picked up uh, by some others, which I think is um, I think is a good thing overall. I think there's a lot of mid-major teams that, that find, you know, committee finds ways to leave them out. And this year feels at least like right now that might be a little bit harder to do. Um. All right, so I do not have the timeline from this, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to navigate this together. Uh, so Daryl said, "What would your starting five be from the two four seven era? That is, since they started rating recruits out of high school on two four seven. I honestly do not know when that began. Um, poor poor work on my part to uh, uh, <laughs> uh, to not know that. So I'll try to do a quick uh, quick search here. He did give." an answer at least uh and his answer was oh, just lost it here uh yogi jordan holes christian watford tjd and cody zeller um so i do not and cannot yet find here so i guess um since at least all of these players were from the Korean era forward i guess we'll use that as our time period so uh all-time starting five from the start of Tom Crean's era going forward. Um, uh, let's see, Josh. I'll I'll throw this to you first. No, it's kind of putting you on the spot, but no, I, I think he's pretty close. I think I, I would I would probably swap. Um, you know, maybe put Oladipo in for Watford, um, though. Um, you know, it's not like he he's. Yeah, I mean he's he, he's pretty spot on, really, when you think about it. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would run with. I'd probably find a way to slide in, uh, you know, Vic in there somewhere. You got okay. too many bigs for Thomas Bryant probably to overcome. Yeah. To, to get in there, but Thomas Br- Bryant, right? Um, OG. Yeah, we got some. Yeah, we got OG. OG yeah. in the chat. Oladipo was mentioned in the chat. Uh, Romeo got mentioned. Mo Creek got mentioned. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I I don't mind his list. You're a little little small in the backcourt with with Yogi and Holes, so maybe the addition of yeah. Oladipo Jay, somewhere uh, Blackman somewhere along the way yeah. helps you out a little bit there. So yeah, I don't I don't know, but that's a it's a fair question. Like I said, I cannot find exactly when the two four seven started, but I think 
those five are definitely in the mix. And I think a number of the other folks in the chat got some good so, ones. Yeah. I, I might. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Langford somewhere. I don't, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you go, do you go Yogi, Oladipo, Langford, Zeller, or Langford. Zeller, TJD, and then maybe OG. I don't know. Juwan Morgan mentioned no, uh, fitting to fitting to mention Juwan Morgan. Uh, you got to have yeah, JMO mentioned with the, the crossroads coming up. So, yeah, uh, he, he gets kind of, uh, you know, he's overlooked just because of, you know, sometimes I think he's overlooked just because the teams weren't, weren't as good while he was there. So it's, it's, you know, sometimes he gets a bad, a bad rapper isn't mentioned like some of the other guys, but man, he had a solid, yeah. a solid IU career for sure. And OG played well, but he really blossomed after. I mean, he had that injury. That's, yeah, you know, that's true. He was slow, and his, 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 he was gathering steam his freshman year and then had the injury and then kind of blossomed afterwards. Um, yeah, I probably would put um, Blackman in there somewhere because of his shooting ability. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, let's see. Next one's from Valerie. She prefaces this with, this is a stupid question, but it's something that's always <laughs> Come on, Valerie. Me. Why do players grab the front of their shoes during the game? They will bend their they they bend their leg back and grab the top of their shoe. Why? Maybe someone can answer here, but it drives me bonkers. I don't see that it serves any useful purpose. Coach, do you have any thoughts on this? Is that the stretching, like the straight leg? They bend over and grab their toes and that's and what I was assuming it was toes and not the that, other that's, way. That's it, what I would be. The other thing is if they rub the bottom of their sneakers, they're just trying to get better traction on their sneakers. If it's a bent knee that she's talking about, you see that all the time um maybe the old ones old nike pumps you know you're pumping up your sneakers on the sides maybe i i don't know i think it's more stretching or clearing off your shoes is if depending on what she's really asking there if it's yeah. a straight leg thing I, I see people stretch that way um that's probably what's happening i think so too all right so the next one from dub kelly um i'm gonna i'm gonna tweak this a little bit um but it, it basically asks, what are some of the behind-the-scenes factors involved in swapping out high 200 teams for a low 100 team for scheduling? Does it deal with fees for buy games, home and home arrangements, etc.? Um, Josh, as a person who is uh, who is now well versed in in getting tickets to people for that, I'm sure it would uh, it would it would perhaps benefit you to have maybe better teams on the schedule. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Um, well, what what have, yeah, been, what have been some of your general thoughts just on? Um, I know we talked about the Kansas stuff earlier, but just kind of the general scheduling philosophy over, uh, you know, how much of Woodson's input has gone into this one. I don't know, but maybe what would you like to see them do um, in contrast to this year from a scheduling standpoint in the non-conference? Well, I get it, right? I mean, we're, we're not, you know, I saw somebody compare our, our non-conference schedule with somebody else's and we're just, you know, we're in completely different spots. You've got to, sometimes you've got to take a step back and realize where we're at in terms of, you know, we've got a brand new coach. We're trying to build up our program, um, you know, with the intention of adding quality non-conference opponents here moving forward. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I don't want, you know, hopefully this is an outlier as we move forward and we're not, you know, we're not filled with cupcakes from now until the end of time, but we've already added Kansas, right? We've already changed that. So, um, and, and from a selfish standpoint with, with some of these, these, I'll, I'll call them cupcake non-conference games. A lot of the season ticket holders are, are, are donating their tickets to, the Hoosier ticket projects cause. So we're getting a lot of first timers to the game. So I enjoy it from that standpoint, but certainly as, as coach Woodson continues to build his program, adding, adding teams like Kansas, I'd love to see us play in, in some, 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 you know, holiday tournaments like the, the, maybe, maybe somewhere down the road, the, the, the battle for Atlantis or something like that to get some good quality opponents. So, you know, look, look forward to seeing how it evolves here as we move forward. 
Coach, what's your understanding or impression of 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 kind of how some of the uh, process works around you know getting some of these games and and maybe what it comes down to the decisions that you're making to um, schedule certain teams and not others and and kind of what all factors into that. One of the things I'll say is that I think this game is just two games light. Um, there's only three non-conference against Power Five. I want, would like to see a minimum of five or six. I think that's good for bracketology. Anything over than that, with as tough as the Big Ten is, put yourself in jeopardy. You need some games to get on film and to get some wins and get some guys some playing time. So um, the, the thing that I'm impressed with, Andy, is when I look at the team sheets um, and, and the quad four wins that Indiana have played, they're not as bad as a lot of other schools. It's just that ours were earlier on the schedule. You're going to see a lot of teams over the holiday season get some 300s, 350s added on to there, and everything evens out by the time conference play starts. So even though Indiana, in my mind, had eight uh, easier games, playing Marshall, playing uh, Louisiana, those games end up helping you in the long run from a strength of schedule standpoint than playing the 350, 330 that we did under previous coaches at, at certain times. So while we had eight of them, I don't think they were all like supreme cupcakes. They were just boring cupcakes, which you need to have some. And I like that. So the, the, the question was scheduling from the 200s to the 100s. You want to make sure that you don't over-challenge even a veteran team. Michigan State did that a few years ago, and Izzo said he overscheduled. And, and the team got beat up, and, and they struggled for a while until they got their foothold in, in, in Big Ten. So you can over-schedule too, which is good for fans if you overschedule, because every game's a, a big game. So th there's got to be a happy medium. For me, it's always been if an 11-game preseason, schedule five or six Power Five teams. Uh, we're starting to do that with Kansas and the, the Empire Classic uh, rumored in New York City, and then maybe one other big one. And and then you got Gavit games, if that continues, and the Big Ten AC. I think we're poised to get where we need to be. But I was happy – with uh, not the number, but actually playing some of these teams that were uh, a, a little bit better. So I think Coach Woodson gets it, and I think Josh was spot on when he said his first year he, he wanted to get some wins and a variety of teams on the schedule to play. Uh, I just hope that it doesn't hurt us. I, I don't hope we're not too close to the bubble and strength of schedule hurts us like North Carolina State a few years ago where they had a, a good record, but the strength of schedule kept them out of out of the tournament. So that that's my concern as a bracketologist. But I, I think it comes down to the question was poised is really good. How much money are you willing to pay for people to come? Are you willing to go home and home? Because some of those uh, schools in the in the low hundreds and you know 90, 80 probably want you to play home and home and you don't want to give up a gate. So there's some of that negotiation uh, that, that is involved with it too. And uh, you know, a lot of people probably want to play the Kansases and the UCLA. So it, you got to have the right timing with that. But it is a bunch of phone calls, a bunch of negotiating, and it's just a want to uh, to, to get these things done. But I, I believe the athletic department, the basketball coaching staff want to get this done. But I'd like to see some in-state stuff too. Play some ball states. Play Indiana states. I know that makes it their, their home run game and it makes it difficult. Um, but, boy, that makes for a lot of fun in-state um, play IUPUI, play Valpo. Uh, th th those are teams that are generally a little bit better in the, the numbers, and, and they're, they're around here. So that would be, I guess, my guess. But it's a lot of negotiating, and, and it's something I, I'm not involved with, so I don't know a lot more details than that. But you really got to grease the wheel and get in there and work it in order to get it the way you want it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me to look at uh, a little bit from a bracketology standpoint. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know – I know – 
Pomeroy does some consulting for some of these teams in, in terms of looking at how to schedule and uh, some of those kinds of things. I'd be curious to know what they talk about. It, it, to me, a lot of it is trying to schedule teams from leagues that at least are typically good. Now, IU scheduled two MAC schools this year, and the MAC is usually uh, relatively good. Now, both of them were projected to be the worst two teams in the league coming into the season. Whether they end up that way or not, I don't really know. Um, but I do think you saw at least a bit more of a shift to leagues that tend to rank a bit higher up as opposed to you know scheduling a lot of SWAC, Southland, MEAC teams, um, different things like that where you kind of know what you're getting there uh, and you roll the dice a little bit. But it's not a hundred percent certain. So I think you're betting a little bit more on the conferences than you are necessarily on the teams that you're playing, especially with as many, uh, as much roster turnover as there was last week. You, you just, or not last week. Well, maybe last week. Um, but, but last season, just in terms of having a good, uh, guess of what somebody's personnel is going to be when you're looking at stuff like that. And I think you're also trying to balance out one, getting enough home games because of the money that you make off of them at, at IU, given the, the attendance, and two, and this is something I think they've done a pretty good job of, is trying to play some varied styles of teams that are going to show you different things, whether that's somebody who presses a lot, somebody who really, you know, wants to play at a slow pace. Um, Marshall this year, you know, I used to play some teams really on the opposite ends of the spectrum where Merrimack really wanted to play slow and Marshall wanted to, you know, one of the teams that really wants to get out and run. So I think in that regard, you're trying to do a lot of different things. And I don't know that it's ever going to be perfect, but I agree with what kind of how Josh started it out that I think eventually the schedule evolved from what it's been this year. But I think there was kind of a clear purpose to the way that it was this year. And uh, we'll, we'll find out soon enough, I guess, whether that comebacks to, comes back to bite IU at any point, but uh, hopefully not. All right, we'll finish up with one for coach. Uh, question comes from our friend Joel: Has he ever coached? Have you ever coached a kid that didn't practice well but was great in game situations? Yeah, and and, and it's not fun um, because you you just never trust them until you see them um, on multiple games. And I know that's kind of going to the Christian Lander conversation uh, of you know that. You know, Woodson had a really great comment today when he was asked. Um, but but what happens is this. If you're limited in your game time choices, you're going to play a player that doesn't practice well but plays well in games because you're about winning games. If you have options, and a lot of players can play well in games and also play well in practice, that, that dude or girl who plays well in games but doesn't practice is going to get left behind. So, you know um, – I learned that lesson early in my coaching career. I had a very, very talented guy who just wasn't buying in, just wasn't buying in, and um, was really good on game nights, had some great moves, and, and we worked with them, worked with them. Eventually, we found a happy medium, and um, he ended up playing well the rest of his junior year and had a really good senior year. Uh, now as an outstanding police officer in his home community and turned out to be be okay, but it was a, it was a really frustrating situation because – uh, you got to practice well. It's it's most coaches will believe you got to practice well in order to play well, and, and those gamers are very 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 frustrating. So, yeah, you've coached them. You try to coach it out of them. You use them if it's going to help you win. You know there there are players that you use. Uh, I hate to say that because it's it's not a ownership type of thing, but you know I talk a lot to coaches about that's a player you use. If he's going well, you play him. If he's not going well, then he hasn't earned the minutes to or to trust. You just sit him, and you know early in the game whether the, the coin is flipped on the right side or the wrong side. But those aren't the people you trust in the fourth quarter necessarily or in a tight game. You know that things could go south. Uh, if you don't practice well, there's always a, a negative uh, turn. But th those are the ones that 
cost coaches their hair. Um, you know, so uh, I, I maybe I've coached a lot of them, but um, <laughs> I guess it's better to have a, a non-practice player who plays well in games than a non-practice player who doesn't play well in games. Uh, but um, yeah, it's not, at times you use them. If it's in reference, Joel, to Christian Lander, you got two other options who are playing well or okay in games and playing well in practice, then you're going to be behind the, the eight ball uh, on that until you play better in practice. Yeah, so Josh, I'll, I'll go to this one. Uh, I'll go to you on this this last. And, and for those, you know, Coach alluded to uh, Woodson's comments about Lander. I'm trying to go through here and find him uh, real quickly here. He said, basically, Woodson on Lander's spot in the rotation. I will never discuss with a fan or media playing time. Christian Lander is in an IU uniform. He will play whenever I see fit and just hope he performs when he does, and he has. Um, that's been one of the more hot-button issues on on our show after wins, losses, everything in between um, in terms of the playing time of Lander. I guess what's your impression of maybe, one, the way Woodson has handled him generally in games, and, and then, two, uh, your reaction to, to the way he addressed the question today? Well, I mean, who do you sound like there? He sounded like his yeah. old coach, right? I mean, it sounded like a Bob Knight quote to me. Um, maybe a little more tactful than than we may have heard from from the old coach, but essentially he was saying the same thing, right? That's none of your none of your business. Um, yeah, you, you know, you just again, it just goes. We 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 we've all mentioned it a time or two tonight that just you, you got to trust coach on this one, right? He, you know, certainly he's having conversations with Christian behind the scenes about you know, where he needs to be, what his expectations are. And, and certainly if, if the opportunity presents itself, there's going to be times, right? I think we saw it against St. John's or whomever we needed him, right? X got in trouble, foul trouble, Rob got in foul trouble. And we needed minutes from, from Christian. So he's got to be ready at any given moment. Um, but those opportunities are, are, you know, because of the way the roster is laid out, they're just, they're, they're not as present as maybe, you know, especially with a guy that's come in from an in-state five-star recruit, everybody just expects that he's going to step onto the court and be an instant produ- producer, right? And, um, you know, sometimes people forget, like, he's a freshman, really, right? Last season, he should have been a senior in high school, and he's a kid that, you know, 18, 19 years old, and, and you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. These, 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 these things just don't happen overnight, especially when you've got some senior guards, and you know, his time's going to come. And, and I, I think people are concerned that maybe, you know, especially with the landscape of college athletics, the way it is and how easy it is for somebody to just turn their back on, on, on a program, not, not necessarily turn their back, but find a different opportunity. Right. I think there's just always some concern that that may happen if, if a certain guy, guy doesn't get playing time. So again, you've just got to go back and trust coach and, and Christians, you know, for all that said, Christian seems like he's been, you know, handled it, handled it as well as any player in his situation could. And, and you just hope that he's ready when his name's called and, and continues to develop and, and, you know, think it'll think there'll be good things moving forward. All right. Well, Josh, we want to thank you again for coming on with us tonight. Again, if folks want to learn more, you can go to HoosierTicketProject.org. Um, also follow at the mop lady and they do have a Twitter account for the Hoosier ticket project. It's at Hoosier project. Um, so I really encourage everybody to, uh, to go out and check out all the great things that uh, Josh is doing. And, and we thank you for coming on and, and certainly wish you the best of luck as you, uh, as you ramp this up and uh, really excited about it as, uh, as IU fans and, uh, and hopefully lots of victories for uh, all these folks to see as you're sending them to games for sure. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you both appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about our project and, and loved having conversation with you. 
All right, well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of rigsdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you Saturday after the Crossroads Classic against Notre Dame. Until then, until then, take it from somebody who did not get the uh, not get this set up. Take it from AJ Moyer. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Better late than never. We might as well throw AJ Moyer in. Never a bad time to uh, to put him right. in. So, all right, well, gentlemen, I appreciate it. Chat mom, thanks for. Uh, Thanks for being here with us tonight, as always. Uh, but I am going to close this down because my computer is about to die. My phone is about Thanks, to die. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having and, uh, me. <laughs> Josh, really good um, to have you on here. Um, appreciate you tremendously. If there's anything we could ever do, let us know. Absolutely. Appreciate yep. the opportunity. We'll stay close. Thanks, guys. Yep. Absolutely. Appreciate Happy holidays. Really. I'll have to. Uh, yep. Same good night, everyone. We've got family up in Fort Wayne. I'll have to have to get together for free with a beer sometime. So. Absolutely. Hit me up for sure. All right. Sounds good. See you guys. All right. Thanks. Take care. Peace. Take care, everybody. Yep. We'll uh, talk to you guys Saturday. Thanks. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.